You are listening to Artisan Adventures with FGG Designs. Join us on our journey as we explore the different worlds of wood carving, ring making, knife making, photography, pyrography, leathercraft, crochet, and paper art. This is episode 12, Getting Started in Woodworking, part 5. The topic for today is health and safety, a very important topic for anybody working with tools. Now we go on to another topic that is extremely important, the topic of safety. And I know that (laughs) of all the people I know, you can tell us a lot about safety and why it's important. Yeah. And uh, I should probably start by confessing that I'm one of the best and one of the worst persons to talk to you about safety. I should really practice what I preach in this sense because I'm just looking at my hands and I've got nicks and scrapes and scratches and cuts all over them. It's just, it comes down to, how do I even say this? Not negligence, but the majority of my accidents come from me just not completely thinking through what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I would say the first thing when it comes to safety is just think through every cut you make. The moment you start to just sort of switch off and autopilot mode goes on and you just start carving, even though that's the most enjoyable, it's, right. the, it's the most relaxing. It's also the time when you're not really thinking about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the carving knife that I have, which I recommended in the last episode, is it's got a three and a half inch blade. And the point of the blade curls up into a nice fine point. Mm-hmm. And I kind of forget that's there sometimes. <laughs> So I might be using like the belly of the blade. The belly is the the main, the chunkiest part of the blade where it almost meets the handle. Okay. I'll be using the belly of the blade to cut a corner, mm-hmm. not not cut corners by making things quicker, but actually cut the corner of a right. spoon. <laughs> and I forget that the, the tip of the blade is still protruding out. So as I come around and maybe I'm pulling towards myself, I just end up slicing my hand or my finger and it's so easy to do. And then I don't even notice them until I start seeing blood on the on the wood. <laughs> I'll be carving. I'm like, uh oh, I'm bleeding somewhere because I see a, a, a drop of blood. But, right. And then at the end of the day, I'm just covered in scratches and things that used to be easy to do and are no, no longer easy to do because I can't use certain finger because it's hurting. Right. But so, yeah, the main thing I'm trying to say here is when it comes to safety is just think through everything you're doing. It is fun to almost switch off when you're carving just to kind of see where the wood takes you and just to carve and have fun. But don't switch off to the point where you're not actually thinking about what you're doing, right. because that's when that's when you're going to hurt yourself. What, what kind of precautions can you take to help remind you of these things? Or do you have like a, a cool sheet on the wall that has the, the, <laughs> the safety points to think of? Top and, 10 tips for keeping safe. Right. No, I, you know, where I, I just work out in the yard and the only thing I have to remind me of safety is tiger jumping in my lap. Um, which does help because if you've got a cat on your lap it makes you a lot more careful with where you're putting that knife yeah so if you have a cat put them on your lap and carve when you have a cat on your lap it makes things a lot easier in some areas but (laughs) um, one of the one of the things that I would advise is actually it helps with not just safety but also the carving as a result as well every few cuts I actually just analyze where I'm at so if I'm trying to keep something symmetrical I don't just carve away, carve away, carve away, and then look to say, oh, is that okay? Right. Every two or three cuts, I'm looking to see how far I've come. Right. And then do the same on the other side. Because every time you take those 
even if it's a couple seconds just to look over it, it's a little break where then when you go back into it, you're thinking about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then you got to think, okay, well, I need to just carve a little bit in this area. So you're thinking more about the cut. Whereas the more you just, again, you just switch off and let it take over, you either hurt yourself or realize too late that, oh, I've taken too much off here. Right. And then, but I think that's also part of of the detailed, the type of detailed work that you're carving. You, right. you have to be constantly looking, constantly evaluating, which is only in your favor. Whereas maybe a carpenter who is, you know, ripping wood or something right. like that is not as focused on those things. Things aren't as precise. Mm-hmm. You become maybe more careless. Whereas you're working very detailed. You have constant eye contact with what you're doing yeah that's very important having that eye contact with what you're doing because especially when you're thinking of something like a spoon the transition from the bowl to the neck it looks kind of odd if it's you know you've got if the handle almost looks like it's to the left of the bowl rather than to the right you want to have it in the middle right and to do that with carving you're not putting it there you're actually taking away from what was there so it's just piece by piece taking away until you're finally left with that smooth transition but Again, if you're doing, if you're not thinking about what you're doing and you'll say you're working on the right side of the bowl coming into the handle and before you know it, you look back and, oh, okay, that's no longer in the middle. Then to bring the left over, you're going to end up with a tiny thin piece of wood in the middle and the neck just going to snap. Right. So you need to be careful of what you're doing. And the same goes for if you're carving a, like a spreader or a butter knife. Mm-hmm. If you take one side down too much, it's going to look odd because you're going to have basically the blade of the, the knife when it comes down to a taper is going to be more to one side of the handle than the other. Mm-hmm. And then you can't undo that. Right. And one thing I always learned right from the beginning was you can always take more wood away. You can't put the wood back. Um, exactly. So it's best to take smaller cuts. And even if you take one cut and then look, one cut and then look, it's better to start doing that because again, that's also going to help you with safety because each time you take a cut, you're looking at where you need to cut, what the cut needs to be. But yeah, it's easier to do it like that way because then you, you keep on top of where you're going with it. Mm-hmm. And rather than, as I said, just getting carried away and maybe doing two or three cuts too many and then looking at it and then you can't put that back. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to the other side, you can't take any more away because you're going to have no wood and it'd be too thin. Mm-hmm. So you're either going to be left with a broken spreader or a abnormal looking spreader because it's going to be too far away from the middle. Right. But that's still unique. Mm-hmm. And even the things that I would consider a mistake and, you know, I come in every now and then I'm like, oh, I don't like this spoon. It didn't go the way I wanted. And Elizabeth would be like, oh, it's my favorite one. <laughs> I don't think she's just saying that to cheer me up I generally think what I might find unattractive she might find attractive Mm -hmm. and so we all have different tastes Mm -hmm. as the carver as the maker of each thing I have something in my mind that I'm trying to carve and then when it doesn't go that way to me it's a I don't want to use the word failure but it's Mm -hmm. it's not what I was planning on right so in many ways safety closely follows your your thought process your mindset in that sense of how you're approaching your project, yeah. your a particular piece of art. Uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'm getting the sense that if, if you have no thought towards safety to start out with, you're right. not really going to be safety oriented. So you have to start out initially evaluating, you know, where you're carving, yeah. uh, that you're surroundings like you mentioned are there animals in the area more importantly are there people in the area you know are you carving around your children in in what proximity 
You've got a sharp object. How protected is that sharp object right. in your use in even your your movements? Yeah. I think of when you're out there with an axe, you know, there's there's a larger, longer motion yeah. swing uh, as you're bringing that down. There's a lot of force behind that. In a situation like that, you need to be aware is is there anybody in the vicinity that could in in that moment of time you know stick their hand uh, in the the path of this falling blade it would be a silly thing to do but yeah we can't count that right out, well yeah. c- kids you know in that yeah. sense uh, don't always think about what they're doing uh, they they might be focused on well, what's this? I want to pick this up. Yeah, or even yeah. on you as a dad. You right. know, hey, daddy. Uh, you know, uh, and and they're focused on you. They're coming towards you. They see you at work, yep. and they're not even thinking about what you're doing. But as a dad, you know, you're going to be looking at how a, a child responds. Yeah. And so, in that sense, you know, I, I don't know where our listeners are in that sense. You know, if, if you're you're single, or if you have a family, if you work at home, or if you work somewhere else at a shop or mm-hmm. wherever, uh, it's important to be aware of your surroundings Definitely. and be very focused on, is there anything, you know, I, I even think of, and you know, when we're thinking of, of sharp blades, it's, it's maybe not as critical, but you know, if you were to be using a saw in the, in the workshop, say a, a table saw mm-hmm. and it's running, which it really shouldn't be because as soon as you you cut your, yeah. you should be turning it off. But say it, it, that sort of shows where your mindset should be. Yeah, you, you're not going to let that thing run when you're not cutting. Right. So mindset is extremely important. And one thing which tends to be overlooked is this doesn't really come down to you as the carver. This comes down to those around you. Uh, so as the carver, you could always remind people or at least let them know. But when you're carving or axing or using a table saw or in Michael's case, using a lathe, mm-hmm. and you're focusing on something very detailed, you tend to just get in the zone and everything else around you, your surroundings do tend to slowly disappear. The worst thing sometimes is if someone doesn't sneak up behind you as such, but to them, it feel, to you, it feels like they're sneaking up behind you because you haven't noticed them. Right. And then they say, hey, Sean, and then I'm like, what? I turn around and... And then off goes the finger. Yeah. So maybe just remind those in your household or those who you work with, if you're doing something, maybe just wait until you're not about to swing an axe to right. ask to call you or something. Because that could... All it takes is one one glance and you still bring the axe down. Right. And there goes your finger. So part of the safety aspect, especially if you're you're working in a, in a home environment, uh, maybe in your garage or whatever is not only to personally be aware of safety, but mm-hmm. to be training everyone in the family yeah. uh, or your coworkers, you know, depending on what your situation is, uh, about safety. Minor family and coworkers. Yes, so. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But it's, it's, a, it's a general safety awareness. And, yeah. and I think of even, you know, I'm, I'm on the road a lot and I can be thinking, you know, am I driving safely? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you're dependent also on other people being yeah. focused on safety. It's not just a, a matter of, of your own focus, but realizing that someone else, you know, could be distracted. Someone could be on the phone in their car and mm-hmm. all of a sudden uh, veer in your lane or whatever. Right. I mean, if you're driving the 405, you got to be aware of couple of thousands of people and <laughs> hope they don't crash into you. Yeah, here in Southern California, that's uh, that's a big issue because <laughs> there's there's rarely ever a time when you'd be alone on the road. There's, yeah. there's always a lot of people, uh, a lot of cars to contend with. I'd be confused if there was ever a time I was alone on the road. I wouldn't know what's going on. 
<laughs> just to sum that up is be aware of your surroundings, but also teach those who are with you to be aware of you carving. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it does come down to you as the carver. If anyone right. gets hurt or yourself, you are the one using, I mean, these are tools, but they can, they're going to be classified as weapons and knives and axes. And right. you need to be, you need to respect those. And the moment I stopped respecting the axe was the moment where I ended up nearly chopping my finger off. Right. Um, and that's given me more of a, a, not a fear as such, but more of a respect for what I do. It, I can't just pick up the axe and quickly go and do something. It needs to be thought out, which is another point I want to make. It's don't rush. Um, okay. Especially if you're doing this for a living. I know I started to fall into that as well. So I need to speed things up. You know, I need to get this done quicker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, time is money. Time is money. Mm-hmm. And you try and speed things up and you're either going to break what you're doing or you're going to break you. Right. So realize what these tools are. Whether you're using a bandsaw, you can just as easily lose a finger with a bandsaw as you can with an axe. Mm-hmm. Or, or worse, be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of what you're doing with your tools. And don't rush. Just let... It's more fun when you don't rush. Mm-hmm. It takes the pressure off. You just carve. And just like an artist, you don't see an artist trying to paint the painting really quickly. Like, oh, that'll, that'll do. Mm-hmm. It's more of, you know, they're just taking their time. Oh, what can I put here that will make that look nicer? And it's thinking through each process. If you just... Yeah, if a painter just gets his paintbrush and just scribbles on it, it'd probably still be called art nowadays. But... <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's It's not the same. There's no... I don't like to use this term, but there's no feeling in it as such. Right. So one of the best advices I can give you for safety is just, yeah, take your time and just enjoy what you're doing. Right. The more you enjoy it, the more you're focusing on what you're doing, the more you're aware of what's around you, you should be fine. You should be fine. Right. And and the longer you obviously can in, enjoy it. Yeah. Th- those are obviously things we oftentimes even have to think about prior to our work so that we're, we have a, a safety a way of thinking. Are there uh, specific things related to tools, maybe how to use them yeah. that are important, just general tool safety or maybe specific techniques in, in using particular tools that you could help us yeah. understand. One of the main ones as well, which she spoke about in the last podcast, that was making sure you're sheathing your tools once you're finished with them. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just to change tool and go back to that tool again, I need to get in the habit of doing that because sometimes I don't. But it's just make sure you put the sheath back on. It takes two seconds and not only does that protect you, but it protects your tools. Because yeah, if something was to happen, they would fall. Like I have a little standing work unit that I have next to me with drawers that I can put my tools in and the work pieces. And you know, I have a finalizing drawer and I have a, a sanding drawer, all different drawers that I have different things in. But I put my tools on top of that. Mm-hmm. when I'm not using them. And if it wasn't sheathed, or if I knock that and it falls to the ground, I'll work on concrete. Right. And my knife that I've just spent 20 minutes getting razor sharp hits that ground, it's, it's damaged. Or if it right. doesn't hit the ground, it hits me and I'm damaged. Right. So yeah, just taking that time to sheath your tools when you're not using them is, is a great tip. Uh, but when it comes to actual techniques, a lot of people will say never cut towards you. And if you're a child and you're just starting out, I would say don't don't cut towards you, cut away from you at all times. But if you're feeling more confident, a lot of the most detailed cuts I do are towards myself because I feel I have more control. Mm-hmm. But there's almost like when you're on an airplane and they say brace for impact. That's the kind of position in my, I am when I'm pulling towards myself. Mm-hmm. I have my, my elbows are tucked in mm-hmm. and you know I'm basically just using my wrists. I'm not using my arms. Right. And if you do this, if you sit there with your elbows down at your sides and really your shoulders locked and your elbows locked and you just use your wrists imagine you have a knife in that you can't actually hit yourself with the knife right and in fact you actually have to try to hit yourself 
to hit right. yourself. Right. And even then, you're only going to just touch yourself. You're not actually going to cut yourself. Right. There's there's a lot of control in, yeah. in those movements. I've seen you working out there. And even at times, you know, you have your, your piece of wood propped up against your chest and you're right. you're making very tight controlled uh moves on that right. that wood whereas a child might have it in loose in their one hand and yeah. and it's just a very different type of of carving i've yeah. seen that so yeah i definitely wouldn't recommend a child to try some of the cuts that i'm doing but yeah when you if you do cut towards yourself just make sure again make sure you can't get yourself try one good tip is every time you practice a knife cut practice the motion without a knife in your hand to begin with and just see okay if i had a knife in my hand where is it going to end up if i do this cut because mm-hmm. if you realize hmm, i would have stabbed myself at that point that's obviously not good technique right so practice to the point where without a knife in your hand you can be confident that if you had a knife you're not going to hit yourself mm-hmm. and it's the same with another kind of knife cut which is it's almost like a potato peeler cut where you do pull the knife towards you mm-hmm. but you hold the wood and the knife almost in the same hand and you're just closing your fist to make like, okay and if you do that if you have like your thumb up like you're doing a, a thumbs up sign mm-hmm. just practice opening and closing your fingers the knife will go between your thumb and your skin it won't actually hit your thumb it okay. just comes between you. Right. So again, just practice all these sort of techniques before you go to do a cut with the knife and just think, or maybe put a pencil in your hand or something that won't cut you and just see where that ends up. And you soon realize mm, that wouldn't be good or yeah, that'd be fine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as a child, don't cut towards yourself. And but as an adult who's been doing this for a while, I mean, for me, I, I didn't start cutting towards myself for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was just pulling away you know the typical almost typical whittling cut just Mm -hmm. big slices and Mm -hmm. even then can be dangerous so right just again think of where the knife is going and think of where the knife's going to end up right almost i don't know if you ever try playing pool or snooker or anything like that Mm -hmm. you don't just want to think of where the ball you're going to hit is going to go you want to think of where the ball the white ball is going to go once you've hit it right so it's thinking not just of the here and now but where's he going to end up right once i do this and that should be the same with the knife and the axe very good when it comes to axing a good rule to follow is never cut above a third of the workpiece or halfway up so if you're holding a piece of wood at the top mm-hmm. don't go more than halfway up the piece of wood so you're only cutting the bottom half of that piece of wood so you're never going above your hand okay that makes sense mm-hmm. um and then obviously when you do the other side just turn the piece of wood around and work back down the other half right so you're never going half more than halfway up so you're never actually risking hitting your hand so your hand is always in that sense protected yes basically and, and hopefully your hand is holding the piece of wood on the opposite side of yeah keep your thumbs and your fingers behind the piece of wood so you're basically holding the back top mm-hmm. back of the wood mm-hmm. so even if you were to slip and go a bit higher up mm-hmm. you shouldn't actually hit your hand because right. you're, you're hitting the front of the wood rather than the back of the wood right. unless you're just completely crazy and just go yeah haywire with it then yeah you more likely to hit yourself but again if you're thinking of where the axe is going to go and you're looking at what you're doing you're not distracted you shouldn't hit your hand anyways but just as a safety precaution the good practice is keep your hands on the back of the piece of wood holding it in place and only work from half down even a third down if you want Mm -hmm. and just when you do have to go up to halfway just bear in mind you're getting closer to your hand so smaller cuts if you have to take 10 smaller cuts rather than one big cut but don't risk losing your hand right lower the chances of of damage i mean when it came to me hurting my finger the reason was because i had this tiny little piece of wood that i was holding and i still try to (laughs) axe it it was anyone could have seen it happening so, so in other words, if we can draw a conclusion from your accident, it's maybe also an important safety aspect is choosing the correct tool for the job. Yes. 
definitely. I could have done what I was trying to do with an axe with a chisel right. or something smaller and less than an axe. I could have sawn it with a saw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was this tiny little maybe inch and a half round piece of wood that was only two inches tall. Right. And I was trying to chop it with an axe. <laughs> so you can see. Yeah. The piece of wood is probably smaller than my axe handle and I'm trying to chop it. So. Right. So again, it comes back to what you were saying earlier. Uh, you know, probably the reason why you did that, because I, I think if I remember correctly, you'd been doing a number of different things that day. And yeah. and it might have been a matter of, oh, you know what? I can just quickly do this. Exactly. That was exactly my fault. Whereas instead of saying, you know what? Let me do this with a different tool, yeah. which is more appropriate for this this action. I'd, yeah, I'd been out all day. I think I was on the road going somewhere, some places, and I wanted to come home and do what I had in mind. I wanted to carve a pendant. So I came back and I was like, okay, let me just quickly chop this up so I can make a pendant out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was my second cut. Literally, I just came straight out, went straight to my axe, got straight to the chopping block. I mean, I'm not saying you have to really sit there and think before you do it, like, okay, what am I going to do? But just, you can see in my actions already, I was just not running, right. but I was just rushing to get the axe, rushing to the chopping block and then... Ow, right. Hurt. But even, uh, you know, I think of maybe sometimes there's an appropriate time for switching tools because yes. like you, you, you know, you're working with big logs and you're taking those big logs and you're making them finer to, to the point where it's a piece of wood, the size that you need it to be for your yes. particular project. So it could mean that the, the basic larger cuts on that, that log are going to be an ax. But mm-hmm. then as you get it to a smaller point, it might be a point where you switch a tool right. to something more appropriate for that particular project yeah. or size. I remember someone hearing someone say that it doesn't matter what tool you use as long as you get the job done with it. Um, right. I think we can be so focused on, I mean, even myself. Again, I don't use sandpaper, but we can be so focused sometimes on, oh, I'm never going to sand my spoon. But as long as it gets the job done, right. then it that's what you need. Right. Or some people say, oh, I'm never going to use this. Or, I'm only ever going to use these tools. And again, I, I prefer that method because I prefer using those tools. Mm-hmm. But if I got good and used to using a bandsaw, I'm not saying I would never use a bandsaw. If, it, right. if it's going to help me, right. then I'd use it. Right. And especially in our, our business where we're trying to make a living off of handcrafted yeah. items, it, that's one of the, the challenges that we do have is finding methods that are still handcrafted methods and yet can help us um, speed the process up a little because it is a time-consuming process anyway yeah so it's it's not a matter of cutting corners but choosing tools and methods that optimize the process of production so that at least for us it can still be a profitable thing yeah Uh, but we don't we've chosen not to fully automate things because we we want that handcrafted aspect Mm -hmm. we live in a world where you know the majority of products nowadays are made on cnc machines right and so you know you you create a great design it's programmed into a computer and a automated machine basically forms that product well right. we, we've chosen to retain some of the the uniqueness by hand making products right. but it it adds a lot of, of time, time to yes. the process exactly well um any any other thoughts in that sense on tool safety again just to reiterate it's more of just knowing what you're doing with the tool mm-hmm. thinking through where the tool is going to end up is it going to end up in my leg is it going to end up in my chest if you're pulling towards yourself or am i going to you know, is this cut what I'm doing going to end up nicking my finger on the way out of the wood? It's just thinking of where the knife, the full motion of the knife is going to go. Mm-hmm. One other thing, we, we mentioned it last time as well about tool maintenance 
also goes into tool safety is if you've got a dull knife, you can still, it might not cut wood very well, but it can still cut you very well. Right. So the duller your knife, ironically, is actually more dangerous to you than a sharper knife. Mm-hmm. It's less predictable and it's just going to, when you're slicing down, it's just going to jump out of the wood because it doesn't want to mm-hmm. cut anymore. It's going to take mm-hmm. the path of least resistance. It's going to jump out. Mm-hmm. And if you're not anticipating that jump, where's that knife going to go when you don't expect it? Right. Is it going to go into your hand and... Again, if you're putting more pressure behind each cut because your knife is dull, when it comes out, you're pushing harder as well. Mm-hmm. So you could really damage yourself and take a big slice out of your finger if you're not careful. Whereas if your knife is maintained and sharp, it's more predictable. You know where it's going. It's not as much effort to push and it's not going to risk jumping out because it has little resistance cutting through the wood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So keeping your knife sharp is a huge safety tip. Okay, great. So not only have we seen uh, is is the mindset, the safety mindset of, of great importance, but also the techniques that we use, yep. how we uh, handle our tools and things like that, really important. There's, I'm sure, also some aspects of uh, protection. Yep. We think of protecting ourselves in a lot of areas nowadays. We, um, you know, we're, we're more and more concerned about the environment, realizing, uh, you know, the aspects of pollution. Mm-hmm. As I drive, I'm on the road a lot. I find that some people are very aware of certain aspects. Uh, you see people wearing face masks mm-hmm. at, at times, protecting themselves or others uh, because either they are sick or they don't want to get sick uh, from somebody else. Right. You see people protecting themselves with visors, with shades, with mm-hmm. hats to protect from the sun. We live in a, a more safety conscious environment or growing right. safety uh, conscious. But when it comes down to working with tools and materials, there's a number of different things that uh, we also need to protect ourselves of. What would some of those things be? I haven't got that much experience in these areas as such of protection to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, because I choose whether it be foolishly or not. I don't wear much protection. In fact, I don't really wear any, I can be out in the garden sometimes with just shorts and flip-flops on and carving away and that's it. Mm-hmm. But if you were interested, there are cut-resistant gloves you can wear. Mm-hmm. I chose not to wear them because I feel like I have less dexterity in my and less mm-hmm. control with the wood in my hand. I like to be able to feel, especially if I'm trying to make something smooth, I like to be able to feel how smooth it is and sometimes gloves get in the way and I don't have as much grip maybe or I have very small hands as well. Mm-hmm which when it comes to wearing gloves I never find the size that are good for me they're always too big so I end up with these big flaps at the end of my fingertips that are just in the way and we still haven't found that that chainmail glove that we have yeah. that, that we want you to try out especially when axing that might be handy <laughs> um, so there are there are gloves you can wear like, like a, a chainmail or a mm-hmm. Kevlar or mm-hmm. some kind of cut resistant like a chef might have some sort of cut resistant gloves mm-hmm. that you could wear at the end of the day they may protect, protect you from your knife but I don't think anything would truly protect you from your axe mm-hmm. if you're swinging an axe it, with a glove, it might not cut you, but it's going to break your finger at least. Just right. the impact that mm-hmm. you're going to receive. So when it comes to protection for your hands, yeah, there are things you can use to help you when it comes to your knife. But with the axe, it really just comes down to you being careful with it. Mm-hmm. Again, wearing a cut-resistant glove might save your finger as opposed to it chopped off. It might just break your finger or maybe just chop halfway into it. Right. But it will definitely benefit you when it comes to carving with your knife because... There have been I've seen videos of them being tested and a person is he had a carrot, I think, in one of the fingers and he was hitting it with the knife and mm-hmm. it never once pierced. But as soon as he hit it with the axe, the carrot was chopped in half. Oh yeah. So it's yeah, the the axe is one thing that's gonna be hard to protect yourself from, other than just learning how to use it properly. Right. But yeah, with the knife I definitely if you're interested, 
looking to get in some of these cut resistant gloves mm-hmm. again i think a lot of chefs use them so you may be mm-hmm. looking under the chef department rather than a carving mm-hmm. department mm-hmm. but again i i choose not to wear them because i feel like i haven't got as much control mm-hmm. over the piece of wood that i'm working with when i'm wearing gloves mm-hmm. i remember in england when it was cold just wearing normal gloves to keep my hands warm i'd end up taking them off because i just couldn't feel what i'm doing as mm-hmm. as much as i'd like but if you're using other machines like a, a bandsaw or sanders or things like that you can you need to wear a mask obviously mm-hmm. we underestimate how damaging sawdust can be which is one reasons why i don't like sanding as well because mm-hmm. i'm forever getting sawdust on me and mm-hmm. small particles that i'm breathing in and mm-hmm. if you have asthma it's going to be terrible mm-hmm. so definitely wear a respirator or a mask different woods have different scents i mean like mahogany if you ever sand a mahogany, oh, yeah. it's such a sour taste if oh. you get it in your mouth. Yeah. It's, it can't be good for you. No. So again, thinking just common sense about things. Okay, am I using my hands? Am I going to risk cutting my hands? Okay, maybe some gloves might help. Or yeah. am I using a sander? Yeah, am I going to make sawdust everywhere? Mm-hmm. Then wear a mask. Or if you're using like a table saw or a like a mitre saw, like a, what they call it, the ones that we have, mm-hmm. the sliding compound saw mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. put the guard on. Right. It's sometimes so easy. Like, I'm just going to make one quick cut. I don't mm-hmm. need the guard. Right. But again, that's what I do with my axe. I'm just going to make one quick cut. And I made a quick cut, but it was in my finger rather than the piece of wood. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, oftentimes we're where safety fails is in those moments where we think, oh, we can make this one exception. Yeah. And and I think... It's only one cut. Yeah, it's just one cut. And I, I think that oftentimes, as I think back over the years in different circumstances, uh, and even working on certain projects myself, either time is an issue, you just mm-hmm. want to quickly do something. Right. And you think, you know what, putting that on and all that stuff is just not worth it. Uh, or... What you can also have, like you mentioned earlier, where a glove or safety glasses or something yeah. like that could be in the way. And we think, you know what, we'd, we'd, we'd rather remove it so we can see clearly mm-hmm. or we can get in there and, and feel things. But sometimes that's just, that's when you don't want to do it because it's critical that when you're working with a machine mm-hmm. that even though something might feel uncomfortable, that you're uh, protected. Right. And and I think that, that when we start to get the sense of, you know what, I really don't need that protection. I have a better feel of this thing without it. That's sometimes when we get ourselves into trouble. Right. Whereas if we had just said, you know what, I'm going to learn and develop and cultivate my ability to develop that sensitivity with this protective gear. I mean, I hear this with knife makers all the time that, you know, they, they, you have to get comfortable using your protective gear Mm -hmm. to make your knives and do different processes because in one sense it does seem easier to do it without them, Right. but you're unprotected. Whereas, uh, you know, we're, we're very capable to adapt and grow and learn just about anything. Mm-hmm. And if we get into the habit of, of using uh, protective gear when doing different processes in the long run, it's going to be to our health. Yeah. I also remember you bought me something for Christmas, which actually, it didn't take away too much dexterity, but it was a little thumb guard, mm-hmm. just this little piece of leather that just fits over your thumb. And I wore that and it. I kind of destroyed it after a few months of using it because there were so many cuts into it. But right. when you look at it, you think, wow, that would have been my thumb otherwise. Right. So, it, saved, it saved your yeah. your thumb from getting cut. And I don't use one anymore. And I'm looking at my thumb. I'm like, hmm, I could probably do with one. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> the whole idea is we were thinking about making, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> making some. <laughs> we haven't 
gotten around to it. But you know, I we need to make that a uh, priority. Yeah. To get that thing and maybe adapt it. T- yeah. To an ideal uh, thumb size for for each person. For Short you. little fingers. But one thing that tends to be overlooked as well is we've kind of alluded to it in many different ways. But when it comes to protection, is again knowing your surroundings. I work outside, mm-hmm. and. It sounds silly to say, but if it's very sunny here in California and I'm wearing shorts or no hat, for example, you could get burnt by the sun. So again, just even just wearing the right clothing for where you are. If you work in a place where it's 100 degrees inside, like that forge you go to every now and then for work, don't wear a sweater and a you know a big coat and hat. Just wear the correct apparel for what you need. Right. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, these guys do wear uh, fire retardant uh, materials. And this is, again is is one of those areas of safety versus uh, function. Right. Because there's times when with that heat you think, "Wow, you know what? I'd rather have the least amount of clothes on." But in reality, for our safety, you you need, you know, like long sleeve right. protection, things that that actually protect your skin from mm-hmm. possibility of being burnt. So sometimes, again, you, you run into some aspects of, of having to wear things that might be a little bit more uncomfortable, yeah. but that will save your hide in the yeah. long run. One last other thing to mm-hmm. just mention for protection, again, whether it falls, it's not actually something you can wear or such, but lighting. Mm. If you're, like, again, I work outside, and if I start work before 7 o'clock and it's not exactly light yet, I'm going to be squinting and really trying to struggle mm-hmm. to see what I'm doing. That's either going to hurt you, or again, you're going to make a wrong cut. Mm-hmm. So, and if you work indoors, make sure you have correct lighting. If if you find yourself having to squint or really hold it close to your face to see what you're doing, that's a good indication that the lighting isn't good. Right. So find somewhere brighter or buy a brighter light or wait until, in my case, wait till the sun comes up. Right. And then come in when the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. So it's just a few little things. Again, they're not protection in the sense of things you can wear, but they will protect you if right. you follow them. You need to see well. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to just come back just briefly to what we just talked about, and that was clothing and physical protection because you mentioned, you know, wearing a hat or something mm-hmm. when you're outside in the sun. Uh, but I was also thinking, you know, it's it's pretty cold out right now. And it's not like we in our environment have to be concerned about frost, frostbite or something like right. that. But uh, in, in any type of situation, you need to wear the appropriate clothing, not right. only in the sense of safety, because, you know, we were we actually even though our focus has mainly been on safety, we had originally entitled this section health and safety. Right. As someone who is doing this for a living, it's important to stay healthy. Yeah. And if we're not protecting our body in the sense of, okay, if we get out there, get sunburned to the point where, wow, you know, we really can't work because we're so hurting or whatever, or or we have, you know, symptoms of sunstroke or something like, like that. Like me the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but okay. Um, you know, it prevents us from from functioning as we should. Yeah. Well, in the same sense, if we don't uh, watch ourselves, if we're outside a lot, if we're not protecting ourselves going in and out of outside, um, and and we're more susceptible to getting colds and mm-hmm. the flu and all those things. These are all things that in the long run will minimize the effectiveness of our working environment, our business, our production, whatever. Yeah. And so all these things, besides the safety acts aspects, the health aspects are also extremely important on a day-to-day basis. I find as well that it's more common in some people that if they've been out of work for a week, 
Or so when they come back to work, they're more likely to rush to try and catch up on what they've missed. So then you're more likely to have another accident. Right. Um, it tends to strike people who have been off for a while because, yeah, they, they come in all guns blazing. I've got to catch up, got to catch up. And then that's when it happens, another accident. And then they're off for another couple of weeks. <laughs> One day we'll learn. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, this is probably a good uh, time to round off this segment. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you have been motivated by today's topics to excel in your craft, but most importantly, to live for God's glory. If you have any questions about this episode, please write us at podcast at fggdesigns.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or visit us at fggdesigns.com.